You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Somehow, against at times what felt like all odds, uh, we have reached the final episode of 2020 for the show before the show podcast. I'm not saying that reaching the final episode of 2020 was against all odds. I'm saying reaching the end of 2020 (laughs) felt like it was against all odds at times. And uh, we welcome you into this week's episode of the show before the show podcast, the official podcast of minor league baseball from MILB.com. My name is Tyler Mon. Sam Dykstra is the man to my virtual side uh, for podcasting purposes. Hi, Sam. Hi, I, I like that introduction where I'm basically on all sides of you. Yeah, you're you're and, omnipresent. Yes, exactly. Sure, let's go with that. <laughs> um, and uh, it's a different episode for us this week. Uh, we're going to be joined here in just a little bit by Benjamin Hill, and we will look back on the year that was in 2020 for all of us, not just from the a standpoint of what we would ordinarily discuss with Ben. And um, Sam and I aren't really going to talk uh, as much in this opening segment as we ordinarily would. Um, some housekeeping items about the the site and what we've currently got up. We have finished our State of the System series, all 30 major league organizations up and published at MILB.com. You can find those. Um, Sam, what what else uh, do we – we've been rolling through best of the decade stuff. Uh, we've got those things all over the place. Had some road to the show stories that have been up. Uh, there was one breaking news item this past week that, unfortunately, the 10th-ranked prospect in the Detroit Tiger system, uh, Alex Faito, will have to undergo Tommy John surgery later on this month. So he will miss uh, whatever there will be of a 21 season, uh, wherever he would have been assigned. Um, what else are we – updating people on before we get into the holiday meat of this episode. Yeah. So by the time you guys hear this, um, Ben didn't get a chance to plug on his uh, stuff because, you know, we had so much else to talk about in this segment you guys are about to talk uh, about to hear. Um, but he's been working on these best of the promo or best promos of the decade uh, stories and looking back on each year, um, what happened in promotions in that year. So that's actually going to be wrapping up on Christmas Eve, uh, December 24th. Um, so by the time you guys hear this, that'll be up on the site that will allow that series to come to a conclusion, go back and, and read the rest of that series. We talked a lot of it, about it here on the show with Ben in the past, but it's a great way to see it all in one place. Um, you know, how everything came together in a certain year, what's the legacy of that year, what still carries over in terms of promotions um, from 2011 or 2015, or, you know, when did the food trend begin? When did, uh, promo, promo jerseys really kick in or Star Wars or what have you. Uh, ben really covers it from the beginning of the decade all the way 
until 2019. So that came to a wrap uh, this Thursday when you guys are hearing this. Uh, go check that out. And again, the, so much still on the site. Um, Tyler covered the Dodgers with the state of the system. Dodgers being uh, the best record this year, they are our final organization that has been covered. So if you miss your favorite team state of the system, go back and find that. We've got those all documented in each story. Uh, and they're pretty easy to find going through alternate site standouts. What are the strengths of the system, the weaknesses of the system, areas to grow, who's the next big thing. Uh, it's been really cool to see those come together across all 30 major league organizations. So I do encourage you to go check those out. And uh, with that, let's get to it. Our conversation for this week with Benjamin Hill, our good buddy who you can find at Ben's Biz uh, on Twitter and at the Ben's Biz on Instagram and all over the site at MIOB.com slash Ben's Biz. We're talking a lot of heartfelt things for 2020 on a very special episode of the show before the show podcast. I ruined the joke that I made later on in the episode. I made that joke, but we already recorded this segment and now I double dipped with the joke and it's ruined. Just act surprised, everybody. When Sorry. you come to that, just laugh right. at home. Right. Along with Tyler, as if he oh, said it for man, the first time. Oh, man, he's so funny. Look at that joke. I need your validation, is what I'm saying. <laughs> All the time. That's what he's saying every week. He's Sam. I'm Tyler. Benjamin Hill coming up next. This past year has shown us that without your health, you have nothing. If you're not well, you can't work, look after yourself, or take care of your family. You can't enjoy the life you've worked so hard to build. That's why you need to prioritize taking care of your long-term health today, before it goes from good to bad to worse. So invest in your long-term health with Forward. Forward is intelligent medicine with a personal touch. Their doctors are dedicated to catching top killers like cancer and heart disease early before it's too late. And catching them early could save you tens of thousands of dollars in the long run. Everyone's health history is different, which is why Forward doctors personalize a health plan with you, based on your genetics, lifestyle, and biometrics to achieve long-term results and ensure nothing gets missed. It's time to invest in a doctor that's invested in you. Go to GoForward.com today to protect your future health. That's GoForward.com. GoForward.com. And delighted this holiday week to welcome in our good buddy, Benjamin Hill from New York City. I assume from New York City. Hi, Ben. I haven't talked to you in forever. It has been a while. You know, it's just been Sam and I and Sam and I and Sam and I and uh, Sam and I so often. I just started to say Sam and I so often it kind of sounded like samurai. And then I would think of Sam <laughs> as like a warrior. <laughs> I was going to say, you could say Not Sam and I with more gusto there, Ben. You could be like, <laughs> it was a it was a very pleasant experience. You know, you could have. It was. It was a very pleasant, pleasurable, and uh, I looked forward to it. But, you know, this podcast at its core is, you know, Sam and Tyler. And uh, so we needed some uh, Tyler to end the year. More so, uh, it was a rejected alternate title for uh, the king and I, Sam and I. People forget <laughs> that the king's name was Sam. I mean, if you wanted to do the synonyms, you know, of king and I, it would be Sam and I, right? That's Right, right. Totally. Right. Exactly. Of course. Yes. Something. I say with total humility. And <laughs> Oh, man. Well, uh, it's good to talk to you both. As always, it's been uh, the most trying year that I know pretty much any of us can remember. And uh, as we get to the final days of it, we know, you know, I think for a long time, especially in the early stages of the pandemic and, and into the summer and all that, I, it became 
such uh, an obvious thing to just be like, man, 2020, can't wait for this to be over. I think we've all realized as we've gotten deeper and deeper into the year that like once a calendar hits 2021, it's not as though everything goes away and life returns to normal and we're all back to, uh, to, you know, the existence that we remember from this time last year. But um, there is something to be said about the fact that eight days from now, we're all going to get to turn a page and, uh, and maybe feel a little bit more recharged or a little bit different or, you know, that energy that comes along with, okay, this is a new year. Let's, um, hope that it's better than the last one, but, uh, it's, it's good for us to at least get a chance to reflect because this would have been an extraordinarily difficult year, uh, just given everything that's gone on, but in our industry, it's been a, a very challenging and very different kind of year as well. Yeah, it absolutely has <laughs> a season unlike any other or a, a season that did not even exist. So can you be like anything else when you don't exist? There's nothing to compare to nothing. Um, I don't know if that was profound or really stupid, but it was just been, a, it's just been so hard to contextualize what, what, what uh, everyone's gone through this year. And of, of course, what the industry has gone through. And of course, what minor league baseball has gone through and not having a season and then, you know, heading into a 2021, that's very uncertain as well. That is the truth. And um, we are going to attempt to crystallize some of our thoughts from this weird 2020 as we head toward the turn of the calendar to 2021 and hopefully a semi-normal baseball season to follow. Um, and with that, this is all due to Sam. He is uh, the, the one who created the concept for this episode, and it's such a good idea. And we're going to talk about four different things for each of us. What we lost in 2020, what we learned, what we missed most, and what we're looking forward to most in 2021. And we're going to go in kind of a round table. I'm going to start with you guys. And uh, Ben, we'll kick it off with you. We're going to go category by category. So in 2020, and we're going to, you know, talk mostly about baseball, but also I'm sure other things are going to come up in uh, our conversation today. But um, when you look at 2020, Ben, obviously, I think the overriding feeling for a lot of people in 2020 is what we've lost. What do you look back on this year as the thing that stands out most? Yeah, I mean, putting aside that we all lost uh, the 2020 minor league season, uh, I guess I think, you know, briefly, I think of two things um, that, you know, within the minor league baseball industry, you know, a lot of people lost their jobs, uh, laid off or furloughed. So just uh, so much uncertainty uh, for people career wise. Uh, as you guys know, as a lot of listeners know, it's a tough industry to get into, um, you know, just having gone to the winter meetings year after year, of course, not in 2020, you just see all the job seekers, uh, how many people are just so willing to get into this industry, uh, despite the hardships. So for people to have gotten into the industry and then lost their jobs and still have a lot of uncertainty about 2021, um, you know, I think that's a big thing that's been lost. And then, um, yes, we lost the entire season, but with the you know reorganization of the landscape, you know, we lost some quote unquote final seasons for teams that, you know, would have had their final season as an affiliated team. So not being able to market around that for a lot of teams or, you know, a lot of leagues like the Appalachian League, which will exist going forward, summer collegiate, but to have lost um, the ability to say goodbye to the current context and a context that in some cases had been um, something in place for decades upon decades. Uh, to not have a proper goodbye to those final seasons as we head into a 2021 with new arrangements, uh, I think was particularly difficult for those teams and those fans. Yeah, I think that's a perfect way to put it. And it's um, as trite as it is to say, it's kind of the the Joni Mitchell line about not knowing what you've got till it's gone, because none of us ever expected anything like this, obviously. But 
it would have been strange enough had this happened five years ago. And in 2021, you know, essentially we go into just a, another season. We just had to skip one, but the fact that we're going to be going into such a bizarrely changed landscape uh, in our industry is something that is so weird about this year. Um, Sam, what about you? What you, what stands out when you think about what's lost in 2020? Yeah. I mean, kind of piggybacking off what Ben said there is that um, in terms of just the industry and, and because of what, uh, how big the industry is and how much of the country it really permeates and, and extends beyond our borders, obviously with the Dominican and, and Vancouver um, up there in Canada and the Toronto Blue Jays uh, system as a whole. But um, you know, what we lost this year, you look at coronavirus and, and how that's affected people and how it's touched basically at this point, all of our lives in one way or another. And uh, it, it still feels weird to think about, God, I hope it always feels weird to look at the, you know, the death totals of this year and we're over 300,000 now here in the United States and um, how many people from the industry have passed away. I, I think a lot about Myrtle Beach bus driver, Terrence Timmons, um, how many people were touched by, by uh, you know, his passing and, and felt so bad. And that's just a bus driver and how many, it, it feels like just a bus driver. I, I never want to describe him just that way, but um, you know, how, the effect a bus driver has on a team and how many people are involved in that team. And in the um, sense that he's not around the team every single day and he still has that much of an impact. Exactly. Yeah. And he was only 46 years old. Um, and, and to lose him like that, it, you know, we lost a lot of people this year. Um, you know, we were talking off mic about uh, some of the celebrities we lost this year, not all through COVID, but um, it, you always want to come back to that is that this is a baseball industry at its core, but also it's, it's an industry that spreads far and wide. And there's so many people involved. And when something like this hits the entire country, the entire world, like a ton of bricks, it's going to hit us as well. Um, there is no escaping that. Um, so I, I think a lot about the people we've lost this year uh, in that aspect. And then to kind of bring it back to, to what my daily job is it, to talk about prospects, um, kind of at a base level, what I think we lost this year was development time uh, with prospects. You just look at the top 100 names this year, and, and I only have the top 10 right here. And I'm um, thinking about what we lost with them. Wander Franco, we didn't see it all this year. We didn't get to see him play in a game. We, we talked about it at the beginning of the year. Was he going to play in the majors? We talked about it going to the World Series. Was he going to debut in the majors? It never happened. Um, so we never got to see him there. We got to see a little bit of him in winter ball. This was supposed to be Adley Rutschman's first full season. Never got to see him outside the alternate training site. Mackenzie Gore never got to see him. Spencer Torkelson, he would have been debuting as a minor leaguer completely. Would have loved to have seen how that power would have played at the lower levels. Didn't get that. Um, Royce Lewis was coming off a lot of question marks in 2019. How is he going to answer those this year at double A? We didn't get any answers that beyond what happened at the alternate tra uh, training site. Uh, we talked to Bobby Witt Jr. at times uh, this year. I had a really fun conversation with him. It was supposed to be his first full season. A lot of people thought he could have maybe jumped and, and put together a really strong offensive season. We didn't get to see it in a minor league baseball facility. That hurts. Uh, Jared Kelnick and Julio Rodriguez, uh, two guys we had on the show this year, and we were, we were very grateful for that. Um, kind of the Bash brothers of the Mariner system, but also kind of the Bash brothers of outfield prospects in general, what could they have accomplished this, this year 
you know, we got strong reports from them. I know Julio Rodriguez was injured uh, for a good part of the year, but we got strong reports coming out of Tacoma and the alternate training site for the Mariners. We didn't get to see them take that next step. We probably will in 2021. I, I would expect both of them to debut next year uh, next to rookie of the year, Kyle Lewis. But um, one of the joys of this job, and that's only speaking personally, but I know a lot of you at home feel the same way when you watch minor league baseball is seeing these guys grow, seeing them take that next step, seeing them do something at the beginning of the year and doing something different at the end. Um, some, in some ways they were able to do that. You were work, you know, workouts at home, workouts at alternate training sites, at instructs, all that kind of stuff. But the way we get to measure it is in minor league stadiums, um, watching games on MILB.TV, following box scores, seeing clear trends. We didn't get that this year. I don't know if we're going to know entirely, maybe for a few years, like what the long-term effect of a lost year of development like this is. Um, but know that it, it, it's going to be something we're going to have to think about going forward. It's, it's in 2022 and 2023, we're probably going to be asking like, Hey, where do you think you would have been if you would have gotten a full 2020? It's going to be a while until we know the effects of this. So um, just speaking from a purely baseball aspect, that's, that's something I feel like we lost this year. Yeah, I, I echo a lot of what you guys said. And just to try to, you know, add something different into the conversation, the thing that I think about a lot in 2020 is losing the ease of being around other people, especially groups of people and, and big crowds. I mean, I was a day away from uh, taking off for spring training, which is always my favorite week of the year, getting a chance to go down and talk to prospects, talk to player development people. And just, you know, on the afternoons when you've filed a story and you're already kind of done for the day and you just go sit and watch a baseball game um, and the atmosphere of spring training where everybody's there, you know, as relaxed and happy as they are, uh, you know, for anything in any given year. That's kind of the feeling that spring training brings out. Um, and the world shut down the day before I was supposed to go do that. And since then, you know, none of us has really been in a circumstance where we've been around uh, large groups of people. We certainly haven't been in that circumstance in the context of sports. And that's really difficult for those of us who you know, at least speaking for myself. And I think to an extent, you guys too, I, I get a lot of energy from being around other people. I mean, even if it's just something as simple as, all right, I'm on a deadline with this story about this prospect, whatever, and I can't get motivated at home. I'm going to go sit at a coffee shop and try to work because there are other people around and then I'll feel like I'm a little bit more motivated. Um, even nowadays, you know, we add uh, video highlights to stories. I filed the, the Dodger state of the system story uh, for this week. It ran today. We're recording on the 23rd and a uh, highlight of Josiah Gray picking up his ninth strikeout in a game for Tulsa. And you just look at a ballpark full of people and think, man, I really miss that. Um, that to me is the toughest thing about 2020 is the way that the virus has isolated all of us um, in every sense of the word. And in a year when we could all use that contact and we could all use a hug from somebody or we could all use just the ability to gather that to me is almost the cruelest thing about all of this. Um, especially when viewed in the context of uh, people who have lost their lives or people who have lost loved ones and couldn't be around them. That's the, the hardest thing about 2020 for me is the fact that we've all lost each other to a certain extent. Um, and my hope is, you know, as the vaccines continue to be rolled out and, um, and people hopefully continue doing the things to, to get us over the line um, by, you know, washing hands and wearing masks and keeping distance from people you don't live with and all that. Um, 
my hope is that we'll get back to that sooner rather than later. But uh, that has been a, a painful void to feel in, uh, in the world of 2020. Um, what we learned this year, I think, you know, this is probably the time in our lives that we'll look back on hopefully 10 years from now and think about what came out of this um, for all of us. Right now, it's probably more difficult than uh, than it will be down the road to pinpoint this. But Ben, what do you think it has been the biggest lesson for you this year? Yeah, you know, I would say that I learned, um, you know, how resilient the minor league baseball industry is, but I think I already knew that, but it was still remarkable and definitely, you know, a learning experience, you know, for me is as I'm covering this unprecedented season, there's no games going on, uh, just, you know, learning how adaptable, uh, you know, minor league front offices really are, even, you know, if they've been reduced, you know, or had their own layoffs or whatever. Um, but just right from the start, you know, covering, you know, parking lot fireworks and, you know, drive-in movie nights and, uh, you know, curbside concessions and on and on and on, um, you know, just how much uh, energy the teams are willing to put in to engage with the community and, uh, you know, talking to these teams. And there was often, you know, in the interviews I would do with front office members, um, you know, a little bit of maybe off the record, just resignation of like, yeah, okay, this might make us X amount of money, but, you know, that's like almost nothing compared to what we really need to make. Um, but it's still better than nothing. And it's still, I think, it's just so good for morale to keep engaging, to keep doing stuff, to keep connecting. And uh, to see that throughout the industry all year round was, was great. And for me on a personal level, I think that's what I learned is um, how important to me my audience is and the people who I engage with um, even though I worked out of my bedroom the entire year, and that's where I'm, I've recorded, I think, every single podcast segment with you guys, and uh, of course where I'm sitting right now, I felt so much less alone than I think I would have because I'm interacting with people every single day on email and Twitter and uh, you know podcast interviews, and uh, there's just so much conversation, and it just made me feel so grateful for the people who are willing to interact with that that way every day who clearly have similar sensibilities to mine and to ours and who love minor league baseball. And um, I, I just learned how grateful I am for that and for this audience and for this job. You know, I've always loved this job, but you know, I've been doing it a long time. And when you do anything a long time, you can start to feel like I'm just doing the same thing every year. But then to not do it made me realize how much I miss it and uh, how grateful I am for everybody who listens to this podcast, who's there on Twitter every day. I feel like a lot of these people are my friends you know, sometimes I see them not doing well or expressing, you know, being depressed on Twitter. And I just want to be able to do something for them because um, these people are, you build up relationships, even if it's just on social media and email. And I'm just really grateful for this audience. Sam, what about you? Uh, yeah, kind of, again, picking up what Ben put on, I'm, I'm going to get to a more baseball specific thing and more prospect specific thing here in a minute. But the first thing that kind of comes to mind is just how wide and big and expansive minor league baseball truly is. Um, can you imagine any other, not even just sport, just thing. Like if it went away for a year and you had to cover it for a year, this is going to become a little too inside baseball and navel gazy for a second, but just stick with me. So, like something goes away for a year. Imagine if a political reporter covered Congress and Congress just went away for a year and they had to cover con you couldn't go out and cover other things. You had to cover Congress. How would that be go? good for us all folks? Am I it right? would be good for us. Yeah. In some ways. Yes. In some ways, very much. No. Uh, 
government is good people it should exist and you should do good things um <laughs> second but as an aside but yeah it's just like what happened this year was what we do on a day-to-day basis from april to september and you can expand that out you go february when pitchers and catchers report you can go to the end of the arizona fall league in november and december but still what we do every day just went away essentially um and yet every weekday we were coming out with stories they were and that's that says something about the staff which i'm incredibly proud of um yeah i'm going to take this opportunity to to thank everybody for that and and just the creativity we had and uh you know covering the the sport from multiple angles whether it's ben talking about these you know drive-through stadium options or eating at the stadium or movie nights or whatever or um, so many people writing about the history of the game and how far back it goes and how many stories we probably hadn't had the opportunity to tell yet. And we did this year. We took the, the opportunity to go back, find some people you may not have heard of, but now you do because we wrote about it a little bit more and brought that to the site. Um, you know, you, you, you wonder I, back in March, who knew how long this was going to go? And I was wondering like, how, how long can we keep this going? And here we are in December and I can pretty much say, I can definitively say uh, that there was never a hole in our coverage. Um, there was never a hole in finding things to talk about for minor league baseball. Yes. We did some series that, that went for a little longer than they would have. And, and that was great. Again, that, that requires some creativity and, and all that, but um it just tells you just how big minor league baseball is and how many different angles you can come at this monster. Uh, and I mean that monster in a good way. Um, so that, that's something I really learned this year, but uh, pivot it back to, you know, baseball and prospects and what I'm normally here to talk about uh, is just the way that sometimes players really did handle the jump straight to the majors this year. Um, so many times in the past, we've talked about, you know, a guy needs development time. They need they they need to hit certain levels before they make the major leagues. This year, because there were were no minor leagues, we saw a number of players jump straight from either the Class A or Class A advanced level. You know, if that's where they finished 2019, and they got a little bit of development time in the spring, a little bit of development time at the alternate training site and summer camp. Um, but if the major league team had a hole and they thought that was the best player to do it, they were sending them straight to the majors. Um, that's something that I hope continues. I, I, as much as I love the minors and seeing guys move up as they move along, um, I know Juan Soto is kind of an extreme example, but I think he showed like if you can play, you can play, and you should be if you can play at the top level, that's where you should be. Um, so one of the things I keep coming back to this year, we talked about a number of times on the show, was the number of pe- players who were called up straight to the majors for the postseason. You know, Alex Kirilov being the most famous example as a top 100 prospect, but uh, Ryan Weathers, somebody we had on the show and we asked, do you feel close to the majors? He's like, yeah, sort of. And then there he is making his debut in the playoffs, Shane McClanahan with the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, There were a couple other people uh, who were added, but either didn't play or, or aren't coming to mind right now. But uh, yeah, it was just kind of fascinating to see that happen. And I wonder how much of a change that's going to, or how many change much of a change is going to come uh, as a result of that and seeing these guys succeed and and seeing them put into big spots. uh, It's something we're going to have to keep an eye on going forward. Um, You know, especially as the CBA changes, what, what is that going to mean for service time and all that we'll have to see, but 
that's one of my big takeaways, at least from the baseball side, is just, hey, if a guy can play and we think he's ready and we think his tools and his stuff plays in the majors right now, give him that chance. And, and teams were rewarded for that, I think, in 2020. Yeah, I think mine, I've been sitting here trying to crystallize what exactly the, the crux of this uh, is going to be. I think the thing that I was most thrilled week to week to learn about this year um, through the podcast was just the humanity of the prospects that we have on ordinarily, you know, in every season leading up to this year, we get guys on and we talk about baseball and we talk about how they're climbing toward the majors and, you know, their draft process and what it was like being in school or what it was like as an international player before they got signed or whatever it is. Um, Normally there is that kind of barrier between journalists and interview subjects. Um, And this year, I feel like that was really broken down because the circumstances outside of us all affected us all in the same ways. I mean, there was nothing about the pandemic that did not hit professional athletes uh, in a similar manner. And the fact that it shut down their work and uh, left a, a lot of uncertainty for guys who, you know, I did a the, the Dodgers state of the system story. And um, one of the guys that I talked with Will Rhymes, their director of player development about is a, a guy who was a guest of the podcast, Josiah Gray. And he pointed out, which I think Josiah also mentioned to us when we talked to him, he couldn't go home during the pandemic because his hometown, New Rochelle, New York was essentially at the epicenter uh, of the early uh, first surge of COVID cases. And so he was basically stuck uh, in Arizona during the whole initial stages of the pandemic and while stuck there not like he could go into the facility not like he could go work out couldn't go throw couldn't go do all the normal stuff these guys were all affected in such similar ways uh to the rest of us and i think that helped kind of pull that curtain back between us and josiah gray is one of the the great examples nick heath was a great example for us tyler stevenson who we've mentioned you know several times sam and i got done with the interview with tyler stevenson in the cincinnati organization and uh we spent 45 minutes just talking about life after that uh and you know where he was and what it was like and he was asking us if we had heard anything about the season or if you know we knew anything about uh, anything else pandemic related that he hadn't heard yet and it just um it showcased a different side to all of our interactions and I feel like interviews for stories have been that way and um you know in addition to everything that we've done on the podcast and um and also in a similar vein to that hearing from so many you know as as Ben and Sam both touched on from so many people in the community of minor league baseball, uh, hearing from them, how they value our work uh, and from our side, how much we value everything that they do, whether they're front office employees or, um, you know, people who contribute to teams in any way, or just fans, you know, the fact that minor league baseball for the last couple of decades is essentially set an attendance record every single year. And minor league baseball fans are a special group of people because it takes something different to be a fan as passionately about minor league baseball as so many of our fans are. You're not cheering for the highest levels of a sport. You're cheering for people who are in the process of trying to reach the highest level of a sport. And that's a fascinating nuance to people who really dig minor league baseball. And that's what I really love about minor league baseball fans. Um, And so seeing all of that humanity and the face of something 
so daunting as we have all dealt with this year has been uh, at times it's been really emotional for us this year. Um, and it's, uh, it's something that we're forever indebted to obviously the, the fans of minor league baseball, people who are fans of the show and all the, the players and coaches and front office members and player development people and, and everybody who we've talked to this year. Um, you know, other journalists who we've talked to for stories and, uh, it's, it's been pretty incredible to see that how everybody really does, you know, we get caught up so often nowadays in the, the polarization and there's a partisan divide and blah, blah, blah. But I really do genuinely believe that at their heart, uh, most people are just people and we're all in some way when you take off the mask of, you know, who you voted for or what you believe on a given issue or whatever. I think people genuinely want to extend a hand and lift up other people um, in way more cases than not. And, you know, for the people who don't, we, we're not really catering to you for this podcast anyway. Um, but I just uh, that's something that I've really appreciated about 2020 is being able to feel all of that love from other people. And hopefully we've been able to, to reciprocate that uh, in some way. Um, third category is what we missed most about this season. And obviously a lot of the stuff that we've already touched on is, is kind of included in this category. But Ben, when you think about a thing that you miss most from 2020, what was it? Yeah. Like you said, uh, you know, we've touched on a lot of it so far, um, but I guess speaking more specific to my job, um, you know, every year since 2010, 2010 through 2019, you know, a big part of my summer was traveling ballpark road trips. And, uh, you know, over that decade long period, I was able to go to every active minor league park. And that was just a big part of my summer and obviously something I missed a lot. Uh, you know, there would have been four new ballparks in 2020 uh, that, you know, I would like to think that I would have gotten to otherwise. And, um, you know, it was always just such a joy to go to new places and to learn about you know, new places and uh, to be on those roads and to learn about the regional snacks and convenience stores and restaurants. And, you know, I just miss, and I don't have a car. I live in Brooklyn. I haven't had a car since 2002. And so those road trips are my only opportunity to, uh, you know, drive a car. <laughs> and I missed uh, getting a rental car. And, uh, you know, I, I'd always, it's, it's more and more rare as time goes on, but, you know, I'd always uh, load up my uh, little CD booklet, which I got for being a student season ticket holder for Pitt pit football my freshman year this little pit uh, panthers logo cd booklet i still bring it on every road trip and get in the rental car and i say i hope we get the, this car has a cd player and note to auto manufacturers keep putting cd players in your car Some of us really <laughs> like. and uh you know i've it's been a great thing you know i've listened to a lot more music um you know during the pandemic uh instead of a morning commute i just kind of listen to records and drink coffee and but a lot of time i'm like man i want to listen to this album on the road i want this to be in my rental car uh, I miss that kind of thing. And, and just the, the little things about being on a road, just the, the hotels and, uh, you know, finding a restaurant like a wing stop that's open after a ball game and, you know, working uh, late into the night while MTV airs 17 episodes of ridiculousness in a row. And all those like little things that just are part of being on the road for me that I, I didn't get to be a part of. And, um, you know, and, and also to kind of bring it back and, and touch on what Tyler just spoke about and America and Americans and something I've struggled with a lot um, in this time of polarization and in this time of, uh, you know, certain directions our country has gone that I just find really hard to fathom. I love going all over the country and, and seeing, it's always been hard to square uh, just how polarized we are with just how much I liked everybody everywhere. And I just felt it was a great antidote to being online and uh, all the yelling and all the anger and just being, I don't want to be delusional, but I always just felt like having gone everywhere, like, Americans have more in common than they 
than I think we often realize. And, and having a job yeah. that allows me to go to all these places and get out of my own bubble, you know, Brooklyn, New York City, um, you know, was great. And uh, I always felt uh, you know, welcome everywhere I went. And yes, you know, I'm a, a guy who doesn't do anything controversial and, uh, you know, I, I, and, and wasn't, you know, getting into political arguments, but it really helped humanize uh, everywhere for me. And uh, as it's given me a much, I think, fuller and richer view of America. And, and that's something I, I really miss. And uh, we don't know what's going to happen in 2021. But yeah, I'm looking forward to getting out, out to Wichita and, uh, you know, Huntsville with Rocket City and Fredericksburg and uh, Kannapolis. And, uh, you know, maybe it'll be a new ballpark in Beloit and uh, Sam in uh, Worcester. And uh, you, know, you had to do it. Why? Did, why? You were doing so well. Like I was so, oh, man, you were making me emotional. And then you just threw me off with Worcester. Spell your cities right then, Massachusetts. Blame the English for all things, really. But blame the English. <laughs> Worcester. We're going to say, we're going to get this right. Worcester. Worcester. So, I thought it was Worcester. Yeah. I, not, not from my part of the state. <laughs> I, I, I say my R's in this part of the state. But uh, yeah, Worcester. Yeah, but that's what I miss, being out there, being out there among America and Americans and, and, and feeling good. Sam, what about you? Um, yeah, uh, again, I, I think we're going to piggyback off each other a lot in, in this segment. But um, Tyler said this before in terms of being a part of crowds and, and seeing crowds happen. And Tyler just missed being able to go to Arizona. I was in Florida when things shut down. It'll be a day that I never forget probably as long as I'm in this career, uh, you know, being in Port Charlotte and being at Tampa Bay Rays and hearing things about spring training being shut down while there's a great fruit league game happening um, and all that. But one of the things I always do when I go to a ballpark is I look out and there are people there. I've, I've never been to a game that's been played behind closed doors. Um, you know, I didn't get to cover major league baseball games this year. So every game I've gone to has pretty much been with fans. And I always hearken back to my own memories and, and think, you know, there were times in my life in which I went to one baseball game a year. Um, sometimes that was a minor league game. Sometimes that we were lucky enough to make that a major league game, but that was your one game a year. And you thought something special could happen today. And even if it was the smallest thing, it didn't matter. Like if it was a really good double play that wouldn't even make sports center top 10, that was special to you. And that's something you got to carry and you got to play in the backyard or the street or the, you know, down, down at the, the school, whatever. Um, that, that was special to you. And this year we lost a year of memories. You know, we, we lost a year of development time. We lost a, a year of minor league baseball and everything that comes with that. But one of the things I think I'm going to miss most or, or I miss most is that feeling of, of seeing not even just kids, adults out there who, who maybe this is their one game this year. Um, they, they were robbed of those memories and, and um, you know, we got to watch it on TV and, and if you're a Dodgers fan, you had a lot of really good memories this year. If you're a Rays fan, you had some special memories too. I'm going to carry that Brett Phillips walk off uh, with me for a very long time. Um, but in terms of the memories that we could have had for being in the ballpark, trying some funky food uh, that you wouldn't get anywhere else or catching a ball or any of the experiences you have at the minor league place. Um, you know, I, I, I just miss that feeling of looking out and knowing everybody's getting that experience. Uh, and again, going, going back to uh, 
what I normally write about and cover in terms of prospects. I, I missed having breakout prospects this year. Um, yes, there were a couple that impressed us in the major leagues and still have prospect eligibility and got to do some fun things. I don't think anybody saw this coming from Devin Williams, for example. He's no longer a prospect, but him winning the rookie of the year was really special. And to see his changeup become perhaps the best pitch in baseball was really cool. But we get to do that at so many other levels. You get to do that at AAA, AA, Class A, Advanced Class A, short season when we had it. Um, that's that We lost that this year. Uh, the top 100 list is going to move a little bit, uh, and I'm not involved in that process, but based on what I know about the sport, it might move a little bit based on what guys were doing at the majors and some of the reports, but it's going to be basically unchanged for the most part. Um, Wander Franco, nobody's going to unseat him at, at the top spot. I would have loved to have seen somebody challenge him for that. Uh, somebody we, we didn't see coming at all. That would have been really cool. Um, so that that's what I miss. I, I love writing stories about breakout prospects. Guys are doing new things that we don't get to see. Um, maybe they did that this year. And if they did, we wrote about them in, in other ways, uh, but getting to see them do that on the field and, and really celebrate them in that way for improving their game uh, in ways that we didn't get, get to see coming. I just missed the surprise aspect of covering the game in that way. So um, here's to more of it in 2021. Whoever's going to be the breakout prospects of 2021. Can't wait to see it. Couldn't tell you who it's going to be right now. That's the whole point of breakout. But uh, yeah, when I look back, that's, that's one of the other things I missed too. Yeah. I think um, one of my favorite things year after year with MILB and I've kind of carved myself the niche with this is on game nights when something weird happens. If I'm on uh, Darren Smith and Paige Schechter, our editors always seem to funnel those stories toward me. So whether it's, you know, the, the time a few years ago when Lane Adams played in a, a triple A game in the afternoon and then a major league game at night, uh, or, you know, if there's a, an animal on the field during a, a night game, or there's a game in Lancaster where they combine for 900 runs, which is pretty much like a nightly thing. Um, those stories that just pop up and you don't know where they're coming or when they're coming and they just kind of jump out of you or jump at you out of nowhere. Uh, I miss those. Those are always a lot of fun. And they're always the things that I'm most excited to try to execute. Well, uh, you know, we had a story about a, a hidden ball trick a couple of years ago that was super fun to do with Rochester. Um, I miss that stuff. And, you know, on a, on a larger, not to get too super existential, but on a larger note, uh, not being able to do as most everybody knows, I do a lot of broadcasting work as well. Um, not being able to do that in addition to not having nightly baseball stuff to write about. Um, there's a lot of, of feelings of uh, loss of identity when you love something that you do so much and you don't get to have it. Um, especially when it's through really no fault or no decision of your own or anybody else's around you, but it's something that's completely uncontrollable in your world. Um, that's really difficult. And, you know, I feel really grateful that over the last few weeks, I've gotten a lot of that broadcasting stuff back. And obviously I'm beyond grateful. The fact that, you know, we've been able to, to hold out and, uh, and keep these positions and get to do the podcast and get to explore some other fun stuff in minor league baseball all over the the last year that we haven't had real games to write about and all that. But uh, I just miss that, that daily energy that comes with covering live sports or, um, you know, monitoring games and box scores or seeing something funky on Twitter and thinking, Oh, I'm going to try to write about that or whatever it is. Um, not having that around this year, you feel the void and the absence of that so powerfully. 
And, um, you know, there's a lot of mental gymnastics that go along with uh, the fact that we're in the, the worst stretch of the pandemic that we have seen as a nation and as a world right now. And in a lot of ways, we're trying to push through it and do things that I'm not sure necessarily the, the best advised. I mean, we're, you know, talking right now about contingency plans in the, the college football landscape for, well, what if one of these teams in the playoff can't field a team? Um, you know, we saw in the in the Pac-12 that a school did not get to go to the conference championship game because they were so ravaged by COVID cases. Um, we are not in anything resembling normalcy, but for the little times when we're able to just lose ourselves back in the moment of something that we love and something that's fun, whether it's, you know, talking to a, a player development person about prospects at the alternate site or, um, you know, guys who made surprise appearances this year in the big leagues or whatever it is. When we get back to the, the framework of what we love, uh, there's still so much that I know, at least for me, helps me feel like myself again for the first time since the middle of March. Um, and I missed all of that. And it's, uh, it's a tremendous feeling to be able to get some of that back. And hopefully, you know, I can't tell you how many player development people I've talked to over the last, you know, few months, especially as we're, we've done our state of the system stories, but how many people I'll just ask the question, you know, overall, what were kind of your impressions, your feelings about the alternate site? Uh, and most everyone has said, well, I hope it's something that we never have to do again. Um, and that's, I think how we all feel, but I also think, there are going to be, you know, Will Rhymes from the Dodgers gave me such a, an interesting point where he said, I think it's going to take us a few years to really learn how it affected players' developments. But I think there are a lot of guys who are going to be vastly ahead in their careers of where they would have been had this been a normal year because of the things that they got tested by this year. Um you know, whether it was just at the alt site uh, working, you know, against other fellow top prospects or in summer camp, you know, pitching in a big league stadium against major league hitters. Um, and that kind of stuff is fascinating. And obviously it'll take some time for us to see what the true impact of this is. Um, and I hope that we never have to do anything like this again. Uh, but yeah, I do think that there will be things that we learn coming out of all of the stuff that we missed this year. Um, and so with that, we arrive at our last topic for this uh Maybe most, um, this is like a very special episode of the show before the show. We need like that full house last scene music where they're like learning the moral lesson. We should, I'm, I'm going to play that when we dive into the, no, I'm not actually. Gonna play I was going to say, you're the one who edits this show. I so do. Are, are I you do. talking to yourself? Like we could do that, <laughs> but you're the one who Produ has Production note for me. Yeah. Um, what we're looking forward to most in 2021, we're ending this on the positive note that the future is brighter, uh, hopefully in the you know longer term, maybe not in the next few months exactly, but um, we're heading toward a brighter future. And uh, what we're looking forward to most in 2021, Benjamin Hill, take us away. Yeah, I mean, we've touched on so many topics and I think you know, what we and what I am looking forward to most, um, you know, in the minor leagues, just getting back at it. You know, all the things we talked about that we missed or that we lost, uh, looking forward to getting them back uh, as soon as possible. Uh, it might not be right away, it might not be a traditional opening day in April, but it will come back. And, you know, that's the story of, you know, not to be cliche about it, but the story of America is, is told through the story of baseball in a lot of ways or vice versa. And, uh, you know, it always comes back. So, um, I have a sense of optimism about the future for sure. And, uh, you know, kind of tied in with that on a personal level. Um, you know, I told you guys this, I guess, last month at some point, but um, haven't really gone public with it all that much. I'm a comparatively private guy, I suppose. But um, 
I'm gonna be a dad in 2021. Yeah! Hooray! Oh, congrats, Ben! Yeah. Um, I say yeah. I, I'm happy about. It. I said yeah. Like oh no, but you know it's a big <laughs> thing. It's a big thing. Um, Jill, my girlfriend, partner, whatever you want to call her, uh, she moved in in uh, the very end of March, and it was a crazy time. And that was when things were so new with the pandemic. Even just moving felt weird. Um, so I was adjusting to that, you know, I'd been living alone for a few years prior to that. And then in July, uh, yeah, found out, uh, she was pregnant and it was a, a mild shock to say the least, but, um, I'm just really excited about it and, uh, don't know how that will, there's so much uncertainty with just the reorganization of the minor league landscape and, uh, you know, where we at, where we're at with COVID. And, uh, then on top of that, for me on a personal level, uh, you know, how I do this job, uh, as a dad, but, uh, I'm really excited about it, you know? Um, it was something that when I was younger, I always kind of thought would happen the way when you're a kid, you're just kind of like, oh yeah, I'm gonna grow up and I'm gonna be married, I'm gonna have kids. And, you know, it just kind of sounds like just something that happens. And, uh, you know, my path was different, had some ups and downs, way too much to get into right now. But uh, here I am, uh, February 26th uh, is the due date. And uh, that's pretty close, just about two months. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, here we are. Maybe after we're done taping this, I'll uh, maybe put up something on Twitter because, uh, you know, I got to cover all the bases now that I'm getting this info public. But uh, yeah, Ben's Biz the Dad coming soon. <laughs> and we're all very excited for you. That's, that's you. awesome. Yeah, it's one of the best things to come in 2020. That is true. That is pretty awesome. And uh, Sam, I, you, you're not going to top that. But... I, I literally cannot. <laughs> Um, if, if I need to segue, uh, this is definitely going to be true of Ben, but the kind of main thesis of what I'm looking forward to, uh, for 2021 is that every day is going to be a learning day. Um, we, we talked a little bit here about the reorganization plan and, and, you know, the fact that there's only going to be four levels of minor league baseball, uh, in 2021, we've talked in the past about the invitations that have been sent out, nothing's official yet. Those are just invitations to become partners with MLB teams. Um, it seems very likely that all of those teams will accept, but until they do it, we can't um, say that they're definitely going to be the partners uh, for 2021 and beyond. That being said, there's so much new about minor league baseball because of that. And there are going to be some ways that we can, you know, prepare for it. And we're going to certainly preview the season to come uh, in the months to come once everything's, you know, all the eyes are, are dotted and the T's are crossed. Um, but there's so much that we won't know until it's in motion. Um, you know, how are some of these class A advanced leagues going to work in a new setup? Like, what is it going to be like that Vancouver and some of these other Northwest league teams are now full season leagues. What does that mean? What does it mean that the Brooklyn Cyclones and the Hudson Valley Renegades are now full season teams? What does that mean? Uh, how are some of the park effects going to affect some of these leagues and how we view them? We're going to have to find that out in time. We can preview it again, but seeing it all come together is going to be interesting. And that also just ties into what I've kind of covered a lot here today, which is so much of minor league baseball and watching these players is finding out new things about them. Um, that's the great thing about sports. If, if we knew exactly what was going to happen, we'd all be in Vegas, just rolling around in cash all the time. Um, so much about sports is learning new things, learning what players can do, learning what front offices are trying to put together, the moves they make. 
they can try to set up a good team, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work out in September, October, November. Um, so we're, we're going to be learning along with them and along with you at home. And I really look forward to that process. Once again, getting that kicked into gear, you know, once minor league baseball is, is playing again and seeing where these players are at learning what, what they're able to do now, what maybe they're not able to do anymore, what they're trying to do next. Uh, that, that just feeds this very specific part of my brain that, uh, really needs to be fed after 2020. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that opportunity. Every day is going to be a learning day. And that's a great thing for all of us um, once we get there. You know, I don't think that um, this is anything that I would say lightly at all, because obviously this has been a, a heinous year and a heartbreaking year and a devastating year for uh, for all of us, but especially for those who have lost loved ones. And, um, you know, as Sam noted, we're over 300,000 dead in this country alone. And um, it has been a, a tremendously dark year um, for for those of us who soldier on and, and move into 2021. My hope is that we are able to take what we suffered through this year and spin ourselves into being able to look at um, things through a lens of more appreciation next year, or at least that's kind of my um, my approach to 2021. I mean, you know, Ben touched on it earlier, you get doing something for long enough. And there are times when you think like, oh, well, am I just doing the same thing all the time? Or, you know, I know it's specifically for me, sometimes you get to a point in, in July or August of a minor league season where, in my case, you know, four or five o'clock rolls around whenever my shift starts. I don't even remember when my shift would normally start on a, a normal night for minor league baseball because we haven't had it for so long. Um, but you think to yourself like, ah, well, work, it's going to be another late night. Like, you know, just the normal exhaustion that you feel with with any job. Um, next year, my hope and the thing that I look forward to most is the ability to not let those days go by without appreciating them more because uh, you know how easily something can be taken away from you. And, um, you know, I've had stretches in my life and in my career before where um, I felt that way through just other stuff personally or professionally that um, has detoured me for a while. And when I got back from that, I did feel so much more appreciative of things. Um, and unfortunately, it felt like that didn't last long enough before this hit. Uh, and now we've had this year to all slog through collectively. But I think that's the biggest thing for me is there is going to be a day for all of us and not just the three of us on the show, but everybody listening. There is going to be a day, whether it's in summer 2021 or the holiday season or in 2022 or something where you look around and you're sitting in a ballpark or you're sitting in a restaurant or you're sitting in a movie theater and you think, hey, we made it through that. Um, and that is not to suggest that it's been easy and we got through unscathed or whatever, because a lot of people have made some unbelievably, uh, impossible to quantify sacrifices. Um, and a lot of people have been lost, but I think it's, it's our duty to those who have sacrificed and those who have done the right things, um, to try to create a better world and to appreciate the world that we have and to be kinder and better to each other um, and appreciate the things in our own lives that we have and that we didn't get to do. I can't wait for my mom to be able to hug her grandchildren again. Um, my sister and her family live just outside New York City. My mom hasn't seen them since February. Uh, she usually goes out there every month, every six weeks. So it's been almost a year now since my mom has seen her grandkids and, um, you know, she'll FaceTime with them and get off and, and immediately start crying. And my mom's not an overly emotional person. And so to see that, um, you know, when I'm around my mom and, 
uh, and she gets a chance to talk to them, that that breaks my heart. And uh, I can't wait for those things. I can't wait for that moment that we all have where you think we're, we're here again and we can live this life again. Um, and I think, you know, if it's a, a circumstance where I'm writing a story about a, a prospect who went six innings and allowed one hit and no strikeouts and struck out six and walked two, and you think, well, I mean, it's a good start. It's not a great start. Uh, I mean, I, that's a great start. It's not like a, you know, a no hitter is what I'm quantifying on the basis of how we write stories. Don't worry about this part. This is not important to anybody other than me or Sam or Ben. <laughs> um, but I think rather than thinking like, ah, oh, is this a story that we even really need to be writing? I think I'm going to be so much more keyed into the fact that this is something that we get to do again. Um, and not something of, oh, well, it's work. Got to make sure we get through work today. And so I'm looking forward to that. Um, and my hope is that it arrives for us all sooner rather than later. We don't know what 2021 is going to look like. Um, you know, Major League Baseball, as of right now, is planning a, a regular start to spring training into the, the regular season. Uh, you know, as we know, it is currently 243 Mountain Time on December 23rd of 2020. By 246, this could be an entirely different world. I think that's what the last year, the last few years has shown us. But the, the fact that we have reached uh, a point where we have vaccines that seem to be working, um, where we all have a, a larger understanding, I think, of the things that we need to do to be safe um, and to take care of each other. Those are the positives that I want to take from 2020 and move into 2021 and be a little bit more appreciative of, of the things we do have when we get them all back. Amen. Amen to that. And hopefully uh, Sam and I can make up some kind of onesie with our shirts or with our, uh, our faces on it or a t-shirt or something to give to Ben for the child. Oh, okay. The child will never be without us. I was really worried that this was to be like sold or like to put on a store <laughs> no, or no, like no we're just gonna give ben's kid an entire wardrobe that features our likenesses okay all right i'm, I'm down ben well, now, you good with that yeah now that you said it it has to happen i mean <laughs> i look forward to that that's gonna be awesome okay good i floated that we didn't really pregame on that idea so good i'm glad um don't bring it up until you get the box in the mail. I would say don't bring it up beforehand because it'll probably get shot down. So just let us send it and uh, you know, and then send us pictures every single day. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> well guys, uh, I love you both. It's it is crazy to me that we've been doing this for seven years now or however long it's been. Um, and even though it's been a, a trying year and, uh, you know, a year in which I haven't gotten a chance to talk to you every single episode, Ben and, and Sam, we've had to work around a weird schedule of mine in large part. Um, you guys are the best and there's nobody else that I would want to do this show with. Sorry, Jake Siner. I would love to have you back, but obviously Jake RIP, uh, working his other, you know, a real journalist job. Um, <laughs> everybody who's tuned in over the last few years, is like who's Jake Siner? I don't know that name. Um, but, but you guys are the best and, uh, and it's an honor to get to do this with you all the time. Yeah. Likewise. I enjoy it every week and, uh, I'm just grateful to be a part of it and, uh, love the energy you bring to it and the hard work and, uh, let's, let's just keep at it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, as we've said over and over and over again, you know, we've, we've learned that we can do this show in 2020. And, uh, if, if there was ever a doubt of, how well this show works and how we all well, how well we all work together. Um, that was never more on display than it, and then it's been in the last 12 months. And uh, just imagine what that means for 2021, where we're going to have fresh 
topics to discuss each week and, and a whole slew of new things and more people to bring on each week and uh, keep that energy going. So I'm always thankful for you guys. I'm always thankful for everybody listening at home or wherever you take us, um, whether it's in your car, for your, your walk around your neighborhood, just to get out of the house for a little while, et cetera. But uh, grateful for, for you two and uh, everybody at, out there in, uh, in Josh Jackson's radio land. And we are, I mean, indebted to, you know, everybody else at our department too. Um, Allison Creekmore and Dan Marinas and Nathan Blackman, uh, our editors, Paige Schechter and Darren Smith, uh, John Parker, Danny Weil, Chris Chipotle, Kelsey Hennigan, uh, Josh, who we, you know, bother way too often. And, and by the way, is now a resident of his native Maine. And I'm so thrilled for Josh uh, to finally get a chance to be back home with his lovely wife, Ella, and uh, their dog, Callie, and their cat, Mickey. Um, but for Michael Avalon and Andrew Batterferrano and Katie Wu and Rob Terranova, Joe Bloss, Jordan Wolf, Brian Stoltz, uh, Gerard Gilberto, we're uh, tremendously indebted to everybody on our staff for continuing to give us such great stuff to talk about for the times that they come on and join us. Um, we got a really great group of people, and uh, and it's, you know, uh, a situation that none of us could have ever foreseen and the way we've been able to stick together and um, do some things to keep the site fresh and entertaining. And, uh, and like Sam said, you know, with no holes in coverage, uh, we got a pretty incredible group and uh, we're, we're very indebted to all of them. So um, that's going to wrap up this segment. We're going to say goodbye to Ben. Ben, did you get, do you buy uh, like a pre-birth Christmas present? Do you get like a two month early Christmas present? So like when the kid comes, you can be like, Hey, I'm already, already did this for you. Nah, I'm going to wait like four or five years before that. Like once the memories kick in till then I'm saving. That's a much better idea. And, <laughs> and financially that makes way more sense. Kids not going to know what's going on. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Good. It's smooth sailing for now, you know, <laughs> until the memories kick in. Oh boy. That's going to come up in therapy in <laughs> five years. Thanks Ben. Thanks guys. Sam and I will be back to wrap it up next. Putting a nice, tidy Christmas bow or holiday bow or Festivus bow. Today actually is Festivus. We're recording on the 23rd, which people have just dubbed Festivus. So Yeah, why why didn't nice. we uh why didn't we do an airing of grievances? We could we could have done that. We could have very easily done that. We could Although have done a virtual like feats of strength. Much of my monologuing is just me airing grievances anyway. So it's, we kind of do that week to week. Yeah, we kind of we get there in the end. <laughs> Jerry Stiller, we don't need your once a year celebration. We can do it on our own. Thank you. Before we get out of here, Sam Dykstra has this week's nationwide prospect fact of the week. Yeah. So um, we didn't really talk about winter ball so much uh, on this episode, but that's something that's kind of continuing. Uh, and it's been really fun to see again, so much of what I talked about last time is prospects getting the chance to grow, getting to, the chance to see them do things. And see, the winter leagues are actually a great place for that to happen right now. Um, the Dominican winter league is just about to kind of wrap up the Puerto Rican winter league started a little later. Um, so that's ongoing. And we're, that's where we're going to start here is the Puerto Rican winter, winter league more officially the Liga de baseball Profesional Roberto Clemente. Um, one prospect I want to highlight from that group is Yankees pitcher Luis Medina, who has made three starts uh, in the Puerto Rican winter league. He has struck out 25 batters and walked only four over 11 and two thirds scoreless innings. Now, 11 and two thirds scoreless innings, not that much, but for him, that's huge. What 
really stands out to me there, obviously 25 strikeouts, 11 two thirds innings, basically striking out more than two batters an inning. Uh, that's a great rate for him, but also his control numbers are good. Only four walks in that time, basically a 6.3 K per walk uh, ratio there. Luis Medina, last time we saw him on a minor league field, he split time between Charleston and Tampa in the Yankees organization in 2019. And at that point, he walked 70 batters in 103 and two-thirds innings. Medina kind of fits the mold of what the Yankees have had in recent years, really hard throwing, but has some control issues. You're willing to bet on the arm because you know the tools are there in terms of what he throws and how hard he throws, uh, but he needs to really find the uh, the zone in order to get the most out of that. So he's only 21 years old. He's already on the 40 man for the Yankees. His fastball is a 75 grade, according to MLB.com. His curveball is 60, but the control is comes in at a below average 40. So if he can take what he's doing right now in the Puerto Rican Winter League, continue to find the zone, continue to miss bats. He's right now the Yankees 11th ranked prospect, but he can make a huge jump if he's able to show that at the double A or, you know, potentially he, he had, doesn't have that much experience yet at class A advance. So he could start out there or double a brings that control with it, with along the stuff. He's going to jump into the Yankees top 10 pretty quickly and maybe even become a top 100 prospect in time. And again, because he's on the 40 man, maybe we even see him with the Yankees next year. Uh, we'll see. We don't want to get too far, far ahead of ourselves. He only turns 22 in may, but Luis Medina, given what he's showing right now in Puerto Rico, definitely one to watch. Uh, as we head into 2021. And with that, we will say goodbye to you uh, for the final time in 2020 as a podcast that uh, hopefully has brought you a little bit of distraction and some fun and uh, some baseball conversation when we've been able to have it and some nonsensical conversation otherwise, uh, which we're always very talented at. Um, We love all of you dearly. Your support over the last few years and especially over this last year has meant the absolute world to us. Uh, We hope whether you are able to be close to family and see somebody that you love or some people that you love for the holidays, um, please do so safely and and cherish all that time together. Um, Be safe when you're finalizing some of your Christmas shopping as uh, you know, some of us are still trying to do on December 23rd Um, and uh, wear your mask and wash your hands and keep your distance and just be good to each other. We're, we're going to make it through. Um, Don't lose sight of the fact that we're all still in this together and, um, and show some love to your fellow human beings as you always show to us. And uh, we're so grateful to have you along for this ride. And, you know, as noted last segment, this is something that we also hope we're never going to have to do again is do an entire year of a baseball podcast with virtually no baseball to talk about in the way that we ordinarily talk about it. And uh, hopefully in just four months from now, we'll get a chance to talk about minor league baseball again and, uh, and we'll have some fun doing it. So um, to all of you, For Sam and for Ben and for all of us at MILB.com, my name is Tyler, and we will talk to you in 2021. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best 
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 